Welcome to the Institute, a podcast on the lives and work of fellows and friends of the Institute for the Arts and Humanities here at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I'm Philip Hollingsworth. In this episode, Sophia Ramos speaks with distinguished professor of creative writing and best-selling author Daniel Wallace. In their conversation, Professor Wallace speaks about his writing process as well as his first foray into nonfiction with his latest book project. Today we have Daniel Wallace, who is an author, professor, and director of the Creative Writing Program in the Department of English and Comparative Literature. Um, we're so excited to have you today. So I'm thank so you. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. Yes. So just to kind of think back on your work, and most folks know your name or know you as an accomplished writer, you know, starting with Big Fish and mm-hmm. moving into some of your recent publications like Extraordinary Adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to know, how do you stay inspired? And is there any fear that comes surrounding mm-hmm. creating new work for you know the expectations that it might have to be another big fish or another right. extraordinary adventures or anything like that? Well, it's a good question. Uh, and I think that sort of lends itself to the path that every uh, writer has to take in becoming the writer they eventually become or they might become or will become is it's the difficulty in becoming a writer is that um, it's not like, say, becoming a lawyer or a doctor, where if that's a, your goal, you know exactly how to do it, what to do. You know this, what to study, what to read, schools to go to. You do those things, you check those boxes, and you become a doctor or a lawyer. But every path is different for every writer. And that's what is great about it because you can you your your own school, um, but at the same time, it's also very challenging because there's a lot of uncharted area, and 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 literally everybody's story is different. And so mine is different in that I uh, started seriously writing when in my um, early to mid twenties. Didn't really know anything about it. I mean, I I mean I knew sure. a little, but not not that much. I mean, I wasn't. I didn't even I didn't know how to um, write a paragraph. That is, I didn't know when you came to the end of a paragraph mm-hmm. and started a new one. How did you know that that was the end of the paragraph? Oh, yeah. And yeah. now it's time to indent. I had no okay. idea. So oh, all my, my early stories were all just one long paragraph. Really? <laughs> like six pages long, not because I was trying to be interesting, but yeah. just because I didn't know. How to indent, um, or, or why? Mm-hmm. And it took me a long time to figure out. Oh, okay. Here's a moment. Right. Where we go to the next <laughs> paragraph. <laughs> and a lot of people know these things before they start, but mm-hmm. uh, I didn't. I didn't go to school. Uh, I didn't go to graduate school, mm-hmm. and I, I didn't at the time. I didn't even have a college t- degree. Um, and I wrote five or six novels during from the time I was. 24 to the time I was about 36, and um, they were all really bad. They were just not good books, and they never got published, mm-hmm. thank goodness, because right. a lot of bad <laughs> books do, mm-hmm. um, and that negatively affects a person's way of, of, of being in the world and writing in the world. But when Big Fish came out, it was my first book. A lot um, had already happened 
that nobody knew about Mm -hmm. and nobody should, and I'm hoping maybe they never do. I guess if they listen to this, they will. (laughs) But I I, am, for better or worse, by the time Big Fish happened, I'd been doing what I'd been doing for so long that I'd established a way of being in the world as a writer that even though my writing wasn't that great, um, and it was it was changing and and evolving over the course of of many years. By the time my first book came out, I was already almost forty. Mm-hmm. So the difference between some, that happening at forty and happening at say at twenty three would have been phenomenally different. Right. You know, to have a, a, a wonderful success like the way Big Fish was, I think it could have had um, more of an impact mm-hmm. on my way of, of being in the world as a writer. But since I was already mature and matured, there wasn't a lot that could happen uh, in that process that would change the way I was as a writer in the world. The truth is I like to write, even when it's hard. I like to write, and it's always hard. But I can't look at something like Big Fish or the next five novels that came after that Mm -hmm. uh, um, as being any more pleasurable or interesting to me to write than the five or six I wrote prior to that, which aren't good. Yeah. So it's... I mean, the, the experiences for me are the same. And to me, that's really the most important uh, reason why I continued to write even when I wasn't successful as a writer is that the process was the thing that I really loved. Right. If you look at a book, the life of a book, the life cycle of a book, um, only a very small part of it, it takes place in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the life of the book is either inside the writer or or being created by the writer. Um, ideally, what happens, the book then goes on to be published, and um, I come to your bookstore and read from it, and you buy the book. And then a few weeks later, somebody else comes, and your book really, I mean, in the matter of a few weeks, it starts to get pushed back and back and back and back, and then... It's, it's gone, pretty much. So if you don't like being, living your life underwater, like where the iceberg is, then you shouldn't, you know, you, you probably won't be happy being a writer. Yeah. At any rate, it's not hard um, for me to, to work on a New book because that's what I, that's what that's I do. That's what I really like to do. That's, I mean, it's, I love being by myself, mm-hmm. coming up with things, and occasionally, you know, writing a good sentence, really, it's a good day. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have to give that same advice to your students a lot? Of, oh, yeah. Like, I, I like, give, like, get in or get out. This is the life of being a writer. Is that kind of, of how it is? I, and essentially, it's true. I think to be a writer is to want not to hang out with a lot of other people. You do mm-hmm. have to give up. And, it, and to me, like not going to a party, it's not really giving up anything because I don't want to be at the party yeah. anyway. Um, my wife will tell you if I go to a party, I'll find a chair and I'll sit in the chair and I'll stay in the chair. 
And I'll talk to anybody who comes to my chair, and it's not like royalty or anything, but I'll be on the couch. I just don't get up and move around and, and talk. It's it, I, part of doing the, the, the form of art that you do is dependent, and this sounds very pedestrian, I think, but it's dependent on who you are as a person, what you're like, you know, what, what, do you, what do you, you know, who do you want to be in the world? So I like going into a room by myself, coming out and like a, a, a big plate of cookies. Yeah. I say, look what I, look what I made. Yeah. You know, the whole kid thing of bringing something to your parents. Mm-hmm. I think part of that is why I like to do the thing that I do because I, I can make it and, and it's mine mm-hmm. and, uh, I don't mind collaborating on other things as well, but I'm mostly at work on my own. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I was I just read this book <clears throat> called Big Magic, mm-hmm. um, and kind of this is where I got the idea about fear. But it's by Elizabeth Gilbert, so mm-hmm. she did Eat, Pray, Love, and um, she's kind of discussing, yeah, like approaching creativity and how to continue that. But she there was a part in the book where she said, you know, do you think that your art loves you back. Like, if you paint, do you think painting loves you back? Right. And so there was a question there, of, do you think writing loves you back? And I wonder, mm-hmm. do you think that? God, I don't know how to think about that. I, uh, I am, I don't even know. Um, I, I love um, the things that happen because of the of the effort I put into my work, um, it writing. I mean, and I might have I might misinterpret the question, but um, I'm so happy with the life that I feel like my books have given me. Yeah. Um, obviously, I wouldn't be here if mm-hmm. it weren't for having published um, these books and. When I get invited to go to um, Pittsburgh mm-hmm. because of a book I wrote, I feel like uh, I am being allowed this freedom in the world that's brought to me solely because of something that I've written down that somebody has read mm-hmm. and and has allowed me this freedom. And in so many other so many other ways that are it's it's impossible really to see myself as being somebody different, you know, because of how of how things have changed because of words. Mm-hmm. So I do feel a lot of love there, if yeah. that's what you were oh, getting definitely. at. Oh, definitely. I think so. Yeah. I just wanted to see if you, yeah, if you felt that connection or if you, if you saw how the work that you put in and how it comes back to you or if there was any uh, idea. Of absolutely. It. And yeah. I think me more so, luckily, um, probably than, more than other writers, not uh, successful in those, in the, I'm, I'm not talking about successful in monetary terms, but I'm talking about this idea of, of that s- some of my stories have, have gone on to be other things. And so that is also this opportunity for adventure mm-hmm. that uh, happens when uh, they do a Broadway show or, you know, I, I, they go, they make a movie. I, do, I get all these experiences that I never expected or yearn for. Mm. Now, I just wanted to write books, and I never thought of the books as being anything other than that. Yeah, and that's where it started. Yeah. Uh, but, just but, from there. but everything else is just fun. Yeah, 
we're going to talk about your faculty fellowship now. Okay. And Let's talk project. about my faculty yeah, fellowship, <laughs> <laughs> which is another thing that of writing loving me back. This this fellowship. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So let, let's. I guess let's get into it. So okay. yeah. So now you this semester you're away from the classroom, mm-hmm. and so you're working on a project as one of our faculty fellows this semester. And so I guess yeah, what led you to this, and how do you think this is another thing of writing loving you back? When you ask what led me to it, are you talking about the actual project? That yeah. I'm what led you on? to the project, and and also if you know, I guess. Why you decided to apply for this fellowship, and then right, and then furthermore, the project itself. Why you decided on that? Mm-hmm. So this project, this is actually probably the first book I've written that could actually be called a project. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all projects in, in a very loose sense of the word, but this is book that I'm working on now is nonfiction, and all my other books have been fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a book that uh, has um, a lot of research involved. Um, there's a lot of archival reading that goes along with it. And this is something that has never been the case before. I mean, um, every, everything in, in the past I've made up, period. Yeah. No research. I mean, I've never done research for anything in my life. And that's one reason it took me almost 30 years to graduate from college, because I'm in the class of 2008. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you knew that, but it took me a really long time to even get used to the idea of doing research. So this book project idea seemed to be the perfect opportunity to do something like this. Mm -hmm. And and I really feel very fortunate um, that it did seem to be um, an idea that was was intriguing to other people as well. What what are you working on right now? And you yeah. said it is kind of a, more of a project because it includes research, but it, it's a book that you're it's writing? A, it's a nonfiction book, kind of a memoir-biography hybrid. Okay. Uh, uh, it's really drawn from the lives of two people, Edgar Hitchcock, who was killed in a, a drug uh, deal in 1994 in Birmingham, Alabama. Which is your hometown. This is where I'm from, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he was a friend of mine. uh, uh, But he was also my brother-in-law, William. He was William's best friend in the world. They were two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. Um, And when Edgar was killed in 1994, William lived up here in Chapel Hill with my sister, Holly. When Edgar was killed... They moved back to Birmingham in order to begin their own parallel investigation into the murder because Edgar was killed in June and his body wasn't found until January. Oh, my gosh. And so by that time, it was skeletonized, Mm -hmm. uh, is unrecognizable, and uh, they didn't really know, have any suspects. William went down there and during the course of his investigation found somebody who they later indicted for um, capital murder. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Um, Based on his own work as a kind of a private investigator. So unfortunately for William, eventually after a few years, the charges were dropped. 
against the, this guy. There was just insufficient evidence to take it to trial. This is in 1997, 98. And af- when, after that happened, William kind of started to recede in, in from the world, the social world, and he and my sister kind of seemed to hibernate a little bit. And then in 2001, he killed himself. So after he killed himself, and then 10 years later after my sister died, I came into a lot of his journals, 15 of his uh, very um, articulately and meticulously written diaries of his life from the time he was um, 25 till about the time that he died. Mm -hmm. And in reading them, I realized that the interior life of William was um, the opposite in so many ways um, of the, uh, the external guy that we all knew, who was a guy who would go down to Birmingham and solve a murder, right. you know, and who would go out and cl- climb mountains and write books about it, mm-hmm. uh, who was a kayaker, whitewater, um, adrenaline sport, aficionado, um, incredibly talented, incredibly smart, renaissance guy, and uh, that's how he portrayed himself. And that's how you saw him. And that's how, who he actually was on the one hand. But on the other hand, his journals are full of, of instances and the, his real existence, interior existence in the world of being um, self-loathing, insecure, never finding his footing in the world, feeling um, un, unseen mm-hmm. uh, and, and unappreciated. And uh, so the, the book that I'm writing now is about Edgar and William, and their relationship, how they became who they were, and their effect on me as a writer. Wow, that's that's an incredible story that you're kind of, or mm-hmm. or a new story that you're figuring out as you of course saw you know everything kind of happen mm-hmm. from one perspective, and now just completely almost reversed is really incredible. How's that writing process been so far? It's. Great. Uh, it's been lots of different um, stages of it. Um, initially, when I was first getting into the journals and really reading about this person I thought I knew, nobody really knew. It was painful. Um, but over the course of um, the last year and a half, um, I've I've read a thousand pages. It's not really an emotional mm-hmm. thing anymore because I don't think that I could write a book that was worth reading that that was too invested with my own um, emotions. Um, I need to be able to see it, I think, more objectively. And so I am looking at it now as a, a writer, as a novelist, um, at structurally, um, at, you know, uh, writing about character, um, choices that people make because of who they are. Uh, part of what I believe is that um, that Edgar and William both, um, their deaths uh, were inevitable um, because of who they were mm-hmm. in the world. And they were, in some, in some ways, the right deaths for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really incredible. But it's, it's been fascinating for me because I, I'm interviewing people and I've never done that before. And as you probably know from your job, you can ask questions that you would never normally 
be able to ask somebody. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you know, it's really a lot of fun, and that res- I mean, you can get really personal. So, are you going back to Birmingham quite mm-hmm. often? I have been a few times. I've been doing a lot of one-on-one like this interviews. I've done a lot by the on phone on the phone. Hoping, you know, I know it's not going to happen. I, I really, I still hold out hope that I'll be able to talk to the guy who was. Who my brother-in-law railroaded into being um, charged with capital murder. He was still alive, and he's the only person who is still alive in the whole story. But he, I'm sure, he's not going to talk to me. Why would he? With this research that you're now doing, and this is a different kind of project for you. um, But more personally, how does home feel now? How does Alabama? Is there a new connection that you have to Birmingham? Is it? changed how you thought about it? Well, a lot of the people that I'm talking to in Birmingham are closer friends of Edgar, who was a drug dealer. And, and he was also a writer. He, was, he, he never um, was a, published a novel, but he was working toward that and was really very, very smart guy. And the, I mean, it, it, learning about him and his life and what uh, – this dark, uh, shadowy life of a drug dealer, um, how that, how that, how he was living while at the same time being out in the world as the manager of a, a, a pizza joint or a, or, or a bar. Uh, it's fascinating and also being able to interview these people who I knew but didn't know that they were flying to Miami once a month to pick up uh, three kilos of cocaine and then yeah. bring it back. It's it is it is fascinating. It's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, I'm really enjoying that part. Oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. The only question that I have that's left is what we ask a lot of our inter- <laughs> interviewees um, is, "What's a book that changed your life?" Such a good question because there's so many books and there's so many lives. To be changed, you know. I mean, you, I think that you're one life at 17, one life at 18, um, and I, I think of, I do think of myself as this, just different people. But Franny and Zoe by J.D. Salinger was a life-changing book for me, and and J.D. Salinger uh, was a, a life-changing author in a lot of a lot of ways um, when I was um, in high school, and then. The uh, couple of years into college, uh, first there's just there's just a, I, I love the way that he um, could be really funny and then heartbreaking, uh, and that's something that that changed my life as a writer or this idea of, of what a writer was and what a writer could do, because that was a reflection of how I feel in the world is that that this this potential for, um, for, for humor in, in despair, you know, and there's a, there's a, there's a quality of despair surrounding so much of, of, of what, who we are in in the world. And he seemed to be able to, um, kind of focus in on that. And, and again, I look, the way I looked at William and Edgar as writers and artists um, as um, samples or um, uh, individuals who are doing something that I too might want to do, um, I look to them as 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 hope. 
um, is mm-hmm. potential. So J.D. Salinger was like that in all of his work. And Franny and Zoe especially like that. Uh, in that, it uh, allowed me to surreptitiously play with this idea of uh, a spiritualism that that exists or lurks um, in the background of all literature, whether you, no matter what you believe in or if you don't believe in anything, just this creation of alternate realities is a celebration of a, of, of a kind of eternity, which I think that that book um, was essential in showing me. Well, thank you so much. I thoroughly enjoyed getting yeah. to chat with you today. Well, thank, thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Check back at ih.unc.edu for the latest news on our fellows and upcoming events at Hyde Hall. You can find all our episodes of the podcast on our website, as well as iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at IAH underscore UNC. Thank you.